then came fully awake, and saw there was indeed a great fire on the horizon from where the flames boiled up to light a cup-shaped chasm in the clouds. There is an army there, Eleanor whispered. Look! She pointed to another glow farther off. They had seen such lights in the sky in France, flame light reflected from cloud, where England's army blazed its way across Normandy and Picardy. Thomas still gazed north, but now in disappointment. It was an army, not the Grail. In the last village where the folk had watched them suspiciously, a sullen priest had accused them of being Scottish spies. Father Hobb had bridled at that, threatening to box his ears. But Thomas had calmed both men down and spoken with a shepherd who said he'd seen smoke in the northern hills. The Scots, the shepherd said, were marching south. Bernard de Taillebourg, Frenchman, Dominican friar, and inquisitor, spent the autumn night in a pig-pen, and when dawn came, thick and white with fog, he went to his knees and thanked God for the privilege. Then, mindful of his high task, he said a prayer to St. Dominic. He rocked forward in the intensity of his emotion, and his head struck against a stone pillar that supported one corner of the pen, pain jabbed through his skull and he invited more by forcing his forehead against the stone, grinding the skin until he felt blood trickle down his nose. Blessed Dominic, he cried, blessed Dominic, God be thanked for the glory. Light our way, light our path. The blood was on his lips now, and he licked it and reflected on all the pain that saints and martyrs had endured for the church. And there was a smile on his haggard face. Soldiers who the night before had burned the village, raped the women, and killed the men, now watched the priest drive his head against the blood-spattered stone. Some made the sign of the cross, but most warily watched the priest's servant, who, sitting outside the sty, returned their gaze. The servant's skin was sallow, and his long hair was sleekly black, which with his narrow face gave him a feral look. He wore mail and a sword, and though he was nothing but a priest's servant, he carried himself with confidence. His dress was elegant, something strange in this ragged army, and he kept himself fastidiously apart. No one knew his name. No one even wanted to ask. Mount up! Move yourselves! A grey-haired man carrying a big shield blazoned with a red heart pushed through the onlookers. What in the name of the devil are you all gawking at? Ah, oh, suffering Christ! The man had spotted the Dominican. Father, we're going, and I don't wait for prayers. He turned back to his men. Mount up! Douglas! The Dominican snapped. The grey-haired man turned fast. My name, priest, is Sir William. The priest blinked. He seemed to be still caught up in the ecstasy of his pain-driven prayer. Then he gave a perfunctory bow. I was talking to the blessed Dominic, he explained. Aye, well, I hope you asked him to shift this damn fog. He will guide us today. Then he'd best get his damn boots on, Sir William Douglas, Knight of Liddesdale, growled at the priest. Sir William's chain mail was battle-torn. His weather-beaten face was scarred. Alone among his men, he did not seem impressed by the French priest or his well-armed servant. But Sir William Douglas was famously unafraid of any man. He was a border chieftain and not over-fond of priests.
but his king had ordered him to take Bernard at Tyreburg on this morning's raid. On your trotters, father. Have a horse for you. I shall walk, Bernard at Tyreburg said, picking up a stout staff, as our lord walked. All around him soldiers pulled themselves into their saddles. De Tyreburg hurried alongside Sir William. Will you go into the city? Of course not. There's a truce, remember? There'll be no fighting? Not us. There's no goddamned English army within a hundred miles. All we're doing is looking for food and forage. Sir William climbed onto his horse. I'll get you close to the city, father, but after that you'll have to shift for yourself. And Sir William spurred his horse down a muddy lane that ran between low stone walls. Two hundred mounted men-at-arms, grim and grey on this foggy morning, streamed after him, and the priest, buffeted by their big, dirty horses, struggled to keep up. The Dominican and his servant had travelled to Scotland with a dozen other messengers sent to King David II, son of Robert the Bruce, by Philip of Valois, King of France. The embassy had been a cry for help. The English had burned their way across Normandy and Picardy, they had slaughtered the French king's army near Cressy, and their archers now held a dozen fastnesses in Brittany, while their savage horsemen rode from Edward of England's ancestral possessions in Gascony. Even worse, the English king was now laying siege to the great fortress harbour of Calais. Invade England, the French king had pleaded, and force Edward to abandon the siege of Calais to protect his homeland. England lay defenceless, and all its riches were just waiting for Scottish hands. And so the Scots had come south. It was the largest army that Scotland had ever sent across the border. The great lords were all there, the sons and grandsons of the warriors who had humbled England in the bloody slaughter about the Bannockburn. And the clan chiefs and their wild tribesmen had come in their thousands from the mountains and islands to make themselves rich. The French messengers, their duty done, had sailed for home. Bernard de Tyreburg had stayed. But in the first days of the invasion he had experienced nothing but frustration. The Scottish army was twelve thousand strong, yet once across the frontier they had stopped to besiege a lonely fortress garrisoned by a mere thirty-eight men, and though all had died it had wasted four days. More time was spent negotiating with the citizens of Carlisle, who had paid gold to have their city spared. Then the young Scottish king frittered away three more days, pillaging the great priory at Hexham. Now, ten days after they had crossed the frontier, the Scottish army had at last reached Durham. The city had offered a thousand golden pounds if they could be spared, and King David had given them two days to raise the money, which meant that Bernard de Tyburg had two days to find a way to enter the city, to which end, Slipping in the mud and half-blinded by the fog, he followed Sir William Douglas into a valley, across a stream, and up a steep hill. Sir William turned south along the ridge, still following a track that was edged with stone walls and which led, after a mile or so, to a deserted hamlet where four cottages, so low that their shaggy thatched roofs seemed to swell out of the straggling turf, clustered by a crossroads. A dozen of his men dismounted and ducked into the low cottages, but they found no one and nothing, so they fired the thatched roofs. Sir William led his men southwards out of the choking smoke. The fire was a hazed red in the fog behind the raiders, a glow that faded until only the smell of the fire was left. 
Sir William turned through a gap in the wall into an empty pasture where he checked his horse and listened. The fog was thinning now, shredding away through a stand of elms. He peered into the fog, snarling at the men closest to him to be silent. He had been a soldier before some of them had been born, and he had not stayed alive by ignoring his instincts, and now, in this damp fog, he smelt danger. Sense told him that the English army was far away across the channel, but he smelt death all the same, and pulled the shield off his shoulder and pushed his left arm through its carrying loops. It was a big shield, one made before men began adding plates of armour to their mail, a shield wide enough to screen a man's whole body. Then a soldier called out from the pasture's edge, and Sir William saw the sudden appearance of towers in the fog, which was now little more than a mist on the ridge's top, though in the deep valleys either side the fog flowed like a white river, and off to the north, where they emerged, vast and dark from the spectral whiteness, was a great cathedral and a castle. Durham, Sir William grunted. I have to go there. The Dominican set off immediately towards the city. Sir William spurred his horse in front of the Frenchman. What's your hurry, father? he demanded, and his blade was in the Dominican's face. Then, alerted by one of his men, Sir William glanced over and saw that the priest's servant had half-drawn his sword. If your bastard man doesn't sheath his blade, father, Sir William spoke softly, but there was a terrible menace in his voice. I'll have his collops for my supper. Bernard de Tyburg said something in French, and the servant reluctantly pushed the blade home. The priest looked up at Sir William. Have you no fear for your mortal soul? he asked. Sir William smiled. I keep my...